0: Well, great to be here, our first heartbeat for 2020, for the new decade. It's awesome. So really, we're setting up now for the next decade because we want to be able to build on, build on what, we're, what we've been doing, not lose momentum, but keep going. So I just want to um, uh, start with a quote. Who likes my quotes? I've got a really good one. Can we pop it up there? This is what, this is what you hear on Qantas. Who's been on a Qantas flight lately? It says, your aircraft has great coffee and emergency exit slides. So it's like, emergency, the coffee's terrible. Apparently it's a true story, and it happened once over over the ocean, over the the, the, uh, Pacific Ocean, and they tasted the coffee, and those slides shot out, and everyone escaped to safety. I think that's a really good quote, that one. So next time you're on Qantas, listen to that. And why? Why you got to ask yourself? Why would they say we have great coffee and emergency exit slides? It's connected. It's because they know. Once people taste that, they want out. So I just want—I'll quickly talk about one priority because I want us to um, to be prepared early as we can for one priority uh, this year. Not only this year, but every year. That's our um, special offering. We take up in some places. They might call it a first fruits. It's um, it's a way where we come back to God and say, you're my first, you're my number one priority in life. So um, it isn't about buildings. I know we promoted it about, well, it's our building fund, it's how we do a lot of renovations around here. But we do that. We need good facilities because it's about reaching people. We need good equipment because it's about reaching people. It's about having a place that uh, people can come into and feel um, that it's a good place. Feel like it's it's warm and friendly, that it's got the right uh, uh, the, the right environment for people to have all the the stumbling blocks taken out of their way. So in the Bible it talks in the Old Testament it talks about uh, you know, clear the rocks away, um, move the stones, move the boulders, make a clear path, and that's what we do by presenting our buildings well. So um, before us as a church we have great opportunities to build God's house. Um, It it makes a statement to our city that we love the house of God, that if we don't love it, no one else is going to. Uh, So it's a statement that we love the house of God, um, that we love Port Lincoln, we love the people of Port Lincoln, that we're prepared to build something for them. And uh, we love who you are. That's what we're saying. If if we have crummy-looking buildings uh, that car the car park washes away every time it rains, and the roof leaks every time it rains, or you know you you, you melt um, on a hot day if you come inside here, that 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 uh, doesn't express uh, who we are. But we want to express who we are by uh, doing things better, always um, uh, improving and and uh, building onto things everywhere and every how we can. So I want to encourage you, exhort you. Um, even challenge you to go further than you ever have this year preparing for one priority. So I know Pauline and myself, um, it's, it's always in August and, and we start from the September every year preparing for next August because we want to be prepared and we want to bring uh, um, our first and best offering to the Lord. So it's all about investing into the souls of people. It's, that's what we're doing. That's why we, we need to continue to build and develop because we're, we're investing into the souls of people, people who need Jesus, people we don't even know yet. Um, so let's not look at when we talk about one priority as, oh, well, we, we, we need fundraising to, to build a toilet block. Uh, you know, we, we need to do that so that we can make a way. We're removing the stumbling blocks for some people who won't come to church otherwise. So we're doing that for that reason. So we've got to see beyond buildings and invest in reaching people. Invest in reaching the lost. That's who we're here for. That's why we exist. And you're going to be hearing that a lot over the next forever, that that's what we're here for. And I think we've got to constantly remind ourselves, constantly bring that back to our attention, that we're here to to reach the lost. So um, I'll just pray. Then I'm going to get into the word, but what we do have to do, I always do a little bit of uh, a little bits and pieces about the place, you know, some some uh, corrections, I guess. So we'll do that, but I'll pray first so you don't hate me straight away. So, dear Lord, we just thank you for tonight. We thank you for the great things that you're doing. We thank you that you are with us in everything. And, Lord, you want us to grow and get better. So I just pray through the, the simple words tonight that something amazing and supernatural will get in us and on us so that we can complete the task. That you have for us in these days in Jesus name. Amen. So I know we used to have lots and lots of things that when we'd have these nights where we'd talk about um, you know little, little corrections along the way, but there is just one that I've noticed, uh, not so much on Sundays, but on other times when there's things happening here, um, and that is car parking. Um, always park your car in a proper car park spot. It's for safety reasons, and uh, yeah, I, I haven't been out there tonight to see. But you, yeah, but yeah, whatever time it is, if it's a, if it's a heartbeat night, if it's a, um, a music practice or whatever, park in a proper car park. Don't park in behind someone, don't park on a weird angle, don't, just don't park unless it's white lines and a designated car park. So, so the, the reason is, the, the whole thing is, is I'll, I'll, there's a little saying that says I've been around the block a few times. And, and I know even it's happened here before we had a proper car park. People get used to either a car not being there that's not in the right spot and they think, but I always park here and then I just reverse out and suddenly someone else's car was there and boom, uh, that's, that's disappointing. But what's even worse if it happened to be a person standing behind there or something like that. So park in the proper car parks and everybody goes home happy. All right, that's what it's all about. You don't want to, make, you don't want to ruin someone's day By saying, well, I parked my car behind yours and you didn't see me and you backed into me, that'll ruin your day too. So the title of our message or my message tonight is time because time is really important in the things of God. Time is really important to you and it's important in the church. So I want to, you know, time is an amazing thing when you think about it. But I can't give you all the details and explanations of what time is as I st- started out tonight we 're launching into the next ten years we 're launching into the future now we 're launching into time and we 've got to be prepared for the time before us we 've got to be ready for the time before us for what God wants to do in the time that we have so I hope that we can gain more traction locally and further around the air Peninsula um, you know recently i 've visited other churches and I've been observing things and I realize the, uh, the need for leaders to keep growing. I know for our church to keep growing, I have to keep growing. I know for our church to keep growing, if you're a leader here today, you have to keep growing. Your departments and your areas of responsibility won't grow beyond where you are. Um, I'm really, really uh, um, glad that we've got, uh, that last year we saw three people achieve their diplomas in ministry. That's a great that's a great thing. So um, I know Pastor Pauline has a diploma. She's doing more um, more study to um, upskill herself in in the chaplaincy space as our regional chaplain leader. And I think that's, that's amazing. And you'll see that when someone decides to study and do those sorts of things, their capacity to lead others grows. And when we're at that point where we say, well, you know, I don't think I'm ready for this. I, don't, I think I'm just going to just wait my time, then not only do we stop, but those behind us get held back. So that's the, 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 the gist of where I'm coming from. I'll, I'll get it more clearly as we go. But um, when a leader stops developing, it will affect everyone around them. And it will stunt, it will stunt others and affect their... It will, if you're a leader in the department, it will affect the department. And then the flow on, it will affect the church. So you know what? A church can be held back by by um, a welcome team. A church can be held back by a board. A church can be held back by by a kids' church leader. Church can be held back by a worship leader. Um so many things and areas that where a church can be held back from its from its time because people earlier on in time didn't choose to develop themselves. So I saw some good culture though, so I've seen some things that have really made me think. But I saw some good culture from Inspire Church in Wagga Wagga last year, and they had statements or signs. We have them around our church, and I take you know this opportunity to encourage you read our read our little banners around the place because there's our culture and there's our our, uh, our vision and other things are, uh, on those banners because they become us. And and as you understand more of what those things are, then you can understand why we do what we do and who we are as a church. So our culture and all that is, is defined by that. But I saw these signs in um, Inspire Church at Wagga Wagga, and they were so simple but but powerful. And you know, I guess they were in a very prominent position in the entrance foyer of the church. But it said, "Found people, find people." I think, wow, that's awesome, amazing. So. Um, found people find people. It means that that when you're when you're born again, then you find other people who aren't, and you help them find Jesus. uh It said, "Growing people change." That's awesome. Growing people are changing people. You can't do life alone. There was another one. It said, "Saved people serve people." I love that one. And the last one was, "You can't outgive God." But they're they're signs of a good culture. And uh, there's also other areas that I, I'll guess we'll look at tonight is, is there sometimes you can go into a place, into a church in particular, and read the culture. It's not on a banner, it's not on a sign, but you can read the culture by things that you see and things that they do. So looking at churches that have stopped developing, you notice that, that there's a time warp. There's, there's a, a, a really a cessation of time. Um, it, could be, it could be the '90s is where they've stopped. Um, if the church has had the same, uh, the same decor, the same dress code, um, from those times it indicates that the leader hasn't grown since that time. I was just laboring the word time. So we, we, can, we can choose today whether we're going to be moving for the time ahead. Or we say, we're happy right how we are. You know, we we don't need to change anything. It's all really good for for the time. But we've got to be preparing for the time before us now before we get there. And so I want to start to stir within you the, the, uh, the desire to begin to pray for the time before us. Begin to sow into the vision for the time before us. Begin to develop your personal life in the time that you have for the time before us. Is this making sense? Is it helping you tonight? So I'm going to give you some indicators that a leader has stopped growing. Now, I didn't read them in the book. They're just my observations. Uh, by, by talking to people, um, looking at different churches and different places, and and I've discovered there's, there's three kind of pointers that someone stopped growing. The first one, I think there's a, there's a thing there. It's on, on the board. You're content to stay where and how they are. And another thing that you see in that in that one is there's a glory of the past. You know what? Well, remember when we when we first built this building, remember when we first bought this property? Remember when we did all these, and remember the day, and I remember when that person got saved, and I remember them when this happened, and I remember when, and it was also good, and you know, when Pastor So-and-so was pre- he used to preach the fire of heaven and God would come and and it's called glory in the past. You remember when I was a Sunday school director, it was never better than then days. And, and you know when all that used to happen, well that was, a, so they're glory in the past, but they're content to stay where they are, how they are right now. And so that's a, that, that's a platform that you stopped growing, that you're happy to stay where you are. Because often whole churches have this culture, why do we need to change? Sorry, I shouldn't use that voice. But why do we need to change? Why do we need? To, why do we need to think about that? Why do we have to do anything different? Because we're, we're content to stay how we are. The the next one, especially if you're you know if you're a leader in this church, I want you to have vision for the area and the 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 responsibility that you have. And I I know uh, Jimmy and Beth have great vision for the for the worship side of things, and and uh, they also carry. I know they have a great vision and they prepare for the future because I see the time and effort. Uh, Jimmy puts in for lots of things that no one ever sees. Last Sunday he went to Elliston. he preached at Elliston for the first time and then he comes back and spends a whole afternoon in the church fixing up sound system problems from the week before when we had the power surge that's still causing trouble and, and he's here all afternoon. You think, well, Jimmy, you've got two little twins, you've got a wife at home, you should have just gone home. I, I, I just think, Jimmy, that is, that is a person who has not uh, um, stopped growing. Because you're, you're thinking of the next. Because on Sunday, he could have thought, well, I don't care about Wednesday. I don't care about Tuesday. I don't care about next Sunday. We'll worry about then. And guess what? Nothing changes. We still have the pops and the squeaks and the squeals and all that. But, but the person who, who thinks, well, I, I, I need to take the time on this day because I want to have things better for Tuesday. So great, great job, Jimmy. So vision casting stops. So the, so their leadership becomes directionless um, over the culture. And culture is a really, really, really important thing. So you as a person carry a culture. So when you have delegated leadership in the life of the church, you carry a culture into that area, that department of responsibility. So when, when vision casting stops, there is no direction over the culture of what happens. So someone says, oh, you know what? We're not going to do it this way. We, we're going to... Um, think of some other crazy thing, and the leader just says, mm, "Okay, yeah, whatever." There's no whatever. We get what we plan for. We we get what we sow into. We get what we seek God after. So we don't want to have uh, the the culture or attitude that says, "Oh, well, that's all right. What does it matter?" So you know, you, 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 we we don't really need to have someone doing a, a particular task. We just wing it. You know, we don't worry about the rosters anymore. You know, vision casting stops. It's a Indicated that a leader has stopped growing. The the third little one is disconnect gradually from people and places that can keep them sharp and challenged. You need to be you need to always have people around you that keep you sharp and challenged. Um, people who can say, "Hey, you could do this differently. You can do this better. Um, there's there's new ways of doing things." So you want to be in a place so that you can uh, keep growing. Is connected with people. Um, and places that can keep you sharp and challenged. So the reason why you you don't want to um, be around people who challenge you is you don't want to face deficiencies because it means effort. Because you get fatigued, you get tired, you get, well, I don't want to have to learn another thing. And so often I see people having these disconnect points, we'll look at them in a moment, where they disconnect from the, the call and purpose of God because they just don't want to face deficiencies in their own life because it means effort. It means I have to learn something again. I have to um, challenge myself into new things. So knowing the time is very important for you, the leader. So I'm talking to you all here tonight as leaders. you got to know the time. So we do things limited to the level of the time where we stop developing. So our life can be measured by, well, where, where was the point where we were really growing? And then where was the points where we just stopped? And then we, our, our level of doing things is going to be based upon where we stopped. And we can't change that. We, we, can't, we can't change that until we start to grow again. And some of those things can be, can be complex. Why we stopped at a certain point, it could be hurt, it could be disappointment, it could be misunderstanding, it could be lots and lots and lots of different things. But, but the truth is we don't want to be the person who says, well, something got in the way, and so I capped myself and I waited too much time before I realized it was too late. I ran out of time. So we do things limited to the level of the time we stopped developing. And it's not okay to be a church like that. It's not okay to be a person like that. We've got to continue to, to work and move forward and progress ourselves. Matthew chapter 16. Uh, verse 3 in Luke chapter 12, verse 56, Jesus is talking and he warns people to interpret the present times. It says in the uh, New Living Bible, it says, he, he said you've got to know, he goes, you guys, you know how to interpret the weather. You know how to interpret the signs of, of the weather. So you, you, you know, he says, you know, you know if it's going it to be a hot day or a cold day, you know how to do that. But he goes, you need to know how to interpret time. And you as a Christian, in your personal walk with the Lord, need to interpret the time that you're in, the time that the church is in, the, time that, the the place where you serve, where that time is. So it's not okay to be a church person that doesn't know the time. So church often appears irrelevant to the world when it presents itself in buildings and styles of worship formed for a pastime. You know, it, it, I mean, I think it's it's nice history to to see um, old church buildings, and there's a great sort of thing. I used to love going to old church cathedrals and sitting there in my lunchtime and 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 praying, and and there'd be someone playing on the organ and things like that. I used to love that, but I I don't think that is going to speak much to the world that is seeking relevance. It speaks something. It says, well, we're, we're ancient. We're we're behind the rest of you, so. When Jesus said interpret the present time, it's awareness of what's happening in the world according to biblical prophecy. That's what Jesus wants us to be aware of. What's happening in the in the world according to biblical prophecy? And and I can see that the 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 Bible prophecy says that in these days we'll see that that wrong will become right and right will become wrong. We're seeing that over and over over again with you know a Christian mindset today which in you know the 50 years ago when I was born was, was well, that's good moral standards. Today that is, that is abhorrent, that is wrong, that is, that is uh, uh, bigoted and, and uh, interpreted in a very different light compared to what it once was. So we've got to determine the times in which we live and the happenings in the world according to biblical prophecy. So I need you to know truth in the Word never changes. Sin is sin according to what sin is described of in the, in the Word. Salvation is offered to us according to the Word of God. Jesus returning for a pure, spotless bride. That's what we're aiming at. That doesn't change. And we need to remind ourselves constantly that what, why do we do this? Why, we, why do we have to talk to people about Jesus? Why do I need to have my life right? Why do I need to keep growing? Because Jesus is returning. And we don't know the, exactly, you're getting it. So if I sort of stop like that and do that, it sort of says, means something, it means respond. And time is the right word there. Because we don't know the hour or the day, we don't know the time of his return. And it says in the Bible over and over again, Jesus said that that he always used illustrations of people who weren't ready for the time. And, and unfortunately, I think there's, there's Christians, there's churches, there's people who just live their life unaware of the time. And they think there's plenty of time. And perhaps there is, perhaps there isn't. But the reason we need to be ready is because we never know what time there is. And so I want to encourage you as a church, let's be ready for the time. Let's be ready for these days. Let's prepare today for what is going to happen to us tomorrow. So where was I up to? Our foundation and our purpose in all that we do is to help people find Jesus. You're going to hear me say that in many different ways, but but I just want to keep reminding you: our our foundation and our purpose at One Heart Church is to help people find Jesus. So that is our that is our goal. That is what we're here for. Until Jesus comes back, is to try and reach the, our level of influence here in this city. Is to help people find Jesus. Is to help people. To, to make their way to understand that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus died for their sins, that Jesus wants to give them a better life, that Jesus is coming back to take them to glory, to be with him. I think we never preach enough about the end times of Jesus' return. And I think that's what we um, we need to refocus our calibration in life is to that day, is approaching. So Matthew 5.14 uh, Jesus, and this is a, a, a scripture for our church: is is we are the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Um, so we want we want that light to shine so that so that lost people can find God, so that they can be born again, so that they can have their sins forgiven, so that they can have transformed lives. And that's what we've got to be seeking after: is seeing people come to know that. Now everyone's going to have a different space of time or a different speed. Of time for for those things to happen in their in their life, our job is to love people, um, encourage people, develop people, um, and and wait and see what God does in their life. So that's our that's our purpose. That's our goal. So I want to give you some keys to keep up with the times. Do you want to hear them? Okay, First Chronicles twelve thirty two. Tells us from the tribe of Issachar. There were 200 leaders of the tribe with their relatives. All these men understood the signs of the times and knew the best course for Israel to take. Issachar knew the times and the course of action, and I want us to be that kind of a church. I want you to be an Issachar kind of person, an Issachar kind of teacher, an Issachar kind of leader that understood the best course of action for One Heart Church to take. In this context, they were looking at uh, um, a king for Israel and uh, they were choosing David to be the next king. But they knew the course of action that the nation needed to take. So first thing we need, uh, first key to keep up with the times is this, be willing to change. Be willing to change. You know, so... So look, I'll tell you, some of the things that, that um, uh, I hear pastors, last, was Sunday night, 9.30 at night, got a phone call from a pastor. Oh, Rob, just letting you know, I've resigned my church. You know, just, you know the, the board had a meeting, they had a vote, and uh, I told them if it goes like this, and I can't leave this church anymore, and so I've just resigned just now. And I'm like, oh, that's so, um, that's so hard, you know, because the board were, were unwilling to change. The board was saying, we're not going to go down this track. We don't want the church to be like this. We want it to be just how we like it. You know, we, you're messing up our, our plans. But for us, accept change. Accept change must happen. You need, to, you need to remind yourself, change must happen. So this is the status quo. get used to change. That's the thing, that's the thing you've got to get used to is change is, is we're always going to change. So we're going to change lots of things. In, in my time, I'm always trying to change something around here just because change is, is good for us. I know in the first probably two or three years, every change had a reaction. Every change had a resistance. Every change had a sulk. And every change had a, had a, um, um, a confrontation. And it was over the most weirdest things. We needed to paint the ceiling because the thing was all cracked and broken and wrecked. So we painted it black, so you won't notice that that there was a change. So it was like, oh, what's that for? So every change had a, had a massive resistance. So I can tell you today, we've grown as a church, as a fellowship, and we we change lots of things, and and people don't say anything because it's not worth worrying about because we're just getting used to ch- ch- you know changes all the time, so that we're 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 growing and developing. So the key word about change is be adaptable. Adaptable is a great word. It's able to adjust. Adjust to doing things differently sometimes. That can that can mean lots of things. We, we might have to get to a time where we, we adjust the time we meet, adjust the day of the week we meet. We need to always be willing to adjust to what benefits a church at any given time. Yes, you're doing well. So the key as a leader, so if you're, if you're a department leader here today, I want you to get this key. You need to know this because... Uh, change when it's done badly can can be very problematic the key as leaders is adjust slowly but often adjust slowly but often there's some keys of wisdom here avoid dramatic swings you know I, I, I only late last year there's another church in our state that that the pastor wasn't the pastor wasn't happy with the direction of the church so you know what he he did a drastic change he went on on Monday morning, changed all the locks on the church, took all the stuff out of the building, and then when people came to like clean the building, they go, oh my key's not working. Uh, what, what what's going on here? And and it's like, well, they don't, they're not doing what I want them to do, so I'm going to change things up a bit. I'm locking them out of the church, and and you know that didn't end well. But you've got to avoid those kind of dramatic changes. I, I know. Sometimes you want to just go, you know, I need to just confront this and, and just going kind to of change it no matter what. But you, you just adjust things slowly and you get to the direction where you want things to go, but avoid dramatic swings. I love the, the wisdom in the Bible. I haven't got the scripture here in front of me, but uh, the, there's, there's these little bits in the Bible that I used to read and think, what does that mean? And, and it was talking in the Old Testament that said, you know, that, that um, not to cut your hair, I've shared this before, don't cut your hair too short. Don't don't be bald and don't let it grow too long. I'm like, who cares? What's that about? It said, and it says regular, moderate haircuts. And so we apply that to our leadership and you have regular, moderate change. You don't go, you know, I've tried to follow leaders where they've gone, this is it. it's all we're all going down this way, everyone's got to do this, and everyone's gonna go there, and it's all gonna be like this way, And then, and then suddenly it's like, whoa, now we change it. Now it's all gonna be the opposite way. And, and it's like you, you just lose people along the way. So we don't want to lose people. We want to bring people as best as we can with us. So the next thing, part of this, be willing to change, is go beyond loyalty to past programs, people, or places. So there will come a day, and I want to be preparing ourselves. I don't know when, but there will be a day and a time where this place is no longer our home. Forget about it. Let it go. Move on. You know, I don't want to hear you saying, but in those days, I remember when we did and we, uh, you know, doesn't matter. Move on. So, so sometimes people are so loyal to to past programs, people or places, even even carpet, chairs. Like, honestly, I had people ring me when we were getting rid of the old chairs because they were heavy, they were clumsy. You couldn't do, you do much with this building with them in there, and and someone rang me crying saying, "Pastor Rob, I've heard they're gonna they can't can't get rid of the chairs." I said, if you want them at your house, feel free. But we need need to realize some things. Am I going too slow? I'll be finished soon. So please, go beyond loyalty to past programs, people, or places. So when God closed the door for Noah in the ark, it was to save his life and everybody with him. And I find that amazing in in that chapter where it says God closed the door. So when God closed the door for Noah, it was to save him and everyone and everything with him. So when God closes the door, it's to save you. When God closes the door to something, it's to save us. So I know we might have have had, you know, whatever, some kind of ministry, some kind of function, something that we always did, um, you know, but there comes a time where God goes... Boom. And unfortunately, when God closes a door like that, there are are people with an overactive mercy gift who want to hold open the doors that God wants closed. And sometimes they jump over the door, jump back out and be saying, come on, but what about poor Kylie? That was her little baby there. That was her thing. Or Pauline, if you know how much... I shouldn't do those silly voices. It's bad. (laughs) Sorry. So it was Genesis 7 verse 16 the Lord closed the door behind them on the ark so people with with um, you know this overactive mercy gift want to hold open doors because they're, they're they're loyal to people and their feelings and you go you go you know what those people still have a future God still loves them but that area is just closed now we don't need that anymore so can you can understand that so be willing to change so I'll I'll, I'll finish the change bit, is don't make change your stop-off point. Because a lot of people go, well, something changed, that was my stop-off. Because if you can keep moving at a change, it's your next best time of life. If you can keep moving through a change point, it'll be the next best time of life. So don't make change your stop-off point. The second one is, and I love this one, not Adopt new technology. So simple things, that, you know, when I use technology, I'm, I'm talking about really basic things here. But we used to have a really big sign at the front of the church. It used to say, you know, have the name of the church, I used to have what time we meet, all that kind of stuff. Well, we don't have that now. It's now on the internet. And you know what? When, when I ask people who, who randomly turn up, I say, oh, how did you find us today? And they go, oh, I found you on, found you on the internet, found your website. Okay, saw you on Facebook. I, I never, when people used to turn up randomly, I'd say, well, how, how did you find us? They'd never say in the newspaper, and they would never say because we saw your sign out the front. Now, I don't know how they found their way here in those days, but I knew that it was whatever way they found here, was what we were doing was ineffective. So I used to hand write my sermon notes, and I now do it on computer. And you know what? It's soon going to be done on iPad. So soon, I'm not going to be having these anymore. I'm going to have an iPad because Josh and Kelly Long gave me an iPad, which is really awesome. But I'm, they're saying, Josh was saying, oh, would you use an iPad? I'm like, no. Nah. No. Because because I, I, don't, I don't want to be challenged to learn new stuff. I'm like, Eah. but I know that, you know, it's just been a... a, I'll tell you the truth, it's been an inconvenient reality that I have to face. Well, I've got this iPad now, I better start to learn how to use it. So I will. But our worship team, they use technology every single week. Technology allows for better communication of our message to more people more quickly. It helps us to do things better. Um, Ecclesiastes 10 verse 10 says, Using a dull axe requires great strength, and I'll tell you something, we can be, we can be you know, swinging away at a dull axe in, a, in a old, you know, an old method that's, that, that isn't effective and the, the word of the Lord says, so sharpen the blade. And it says that's the value of wisdom, it helps you succeed. So using technology is wisdom that helps us succeed, helps us to do church better. So technology is as simple as this, can heat a building. Uh, it can keep a building cool. Um, We have technology programs called Alvanto and Xero. They're technology technology that helps us do things easier. So if you don't know what those things are, Alvanto is our our rostering schedule program and has all our um, database and all that on it. It helps us a great deal to keep on track of things. We also have Xero, which is our accounting tool that we use. And we need those things to make life easier. And when we make changes, there's always, the, you know, there was, a, there was a thing, we were using one other program in one department, and I remember talking, it was Jimmy and Beth, and we said, look, we're going to change, we're going to go to El Vanto. And they said, yep, okay, that's good, because they could see the bigger picture. They're getting lots of raps tonight, they're getting really good raps. And, and, and they just said, oh, look, you know, that's okay, we'll, we'll, we'll adapt, we'll change. So that, that's the kind of culture that we want to have in the church that helps us to progress forward so that we're all on the same page. So um, where was I up to? Uh, so it just helps us to do things easier. Uh, so don't make technology your stop-off point. Because some people will say, mm, you're changing software? mm not learning it. You want me to preach off an iPad? mm not learning it. I'm going to make a rule. on the pastor. Everyone has to use paper. See how you try with that? No, no don't make... <laughs> Changes in technology your stop-off point because it's your next best time of life. The third one. Change in technology are important, but they are pointless exercises without the spiritual awareness from God. And that's the third thing we need to have is spiritually aware and there's two parts to this and i think a, a, a leader that wants to continue to grow and wants to develop themselves needs really this should be the first one be spiritually aware be spiritually connected i don't think you could be spiritually connected to god without saying well i need to change i want to grow i want to i don't want to be doing what we did you know in, you know in in 2010 i don't want to be um, going over the same things and the same challenges and the, and 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 not seeing anything different i want to see it have changed and progressed and moved beyond those sorts of things. So the two keys there is, the first one is spiritual awareness. It's a spiritual instinct to know what God is doing and saying at any time. Now you might think, but how do I know that? I wasn't born with this instinct to automatically know what God wants us to do. But we can develop that. So it becomes an instinct thing where you say, well, I can sense what's what's needed next. It's like having a prophetic edge to your, to your level of leadership where you can say, well, I think we, we're going to need to think about this and that down the track. Well, I think we're going to need to, to you know, make this team bigger because I can see the, the, that we're going to need people to fill these, these areas of, of need that, that aren't apparent as yet. So spiritual awareness is developed. Uh, it's a developed thing through, a dis, through discipled living. Like, be a disciple. Live as a disciple. It's being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's living according to the Word of God. It's being in community with godly people. One of the great ways to fast track development in your life is being in community with other people. Um, they you know, in a godly community, they'll encourage you. They'll strengthen you. They'll, they'll sharpen and develop you. They will help you. Uh, unfortunately for me, I think. Um, you know, I, I had the lessons learned in, early in ministry, which I always thought I was a failure, because they'd say, oh, yeah, we'll train you. And that, what the training meant was your worship leading on Sunday night, and you never, you can't even sing. This has happened to me, not just once. It was like every time we got a new pastor, they'd say, oh, you, you seem pretty good guy, Rob. Well, you can worship lead Sunday night. I'm like, yeah, but I, I can't sing. Oh, you, you can do it. I'm like, this is the day <laughs> that I wish I wasn't born. <laughs> and then, and then you know what they would always say, "Oh, yeah, you, you're not, a, you're not a song leader." I could have told you. Yeah. You know, so, we don't want to, we don't want to do that to each other. But we we can call it faith or or relationship with Jesus. Um, but it's what He had in mind for us is that discipleship and that's something that we will willingly have to give because jesus calls and then he walks you see all the disciples it says he called so matthew's got a job he's got a government job he's working for the government and he's on good bucks jesus says hey matthew hey come follow me and it says he left the, he left the office and followed jesus it just said he left and followed. Peter's fishing, cleaning the nets or whatever, and, and, and his, his sons of Zebedee and, and whatever the other son's name was, I don't remember. Jesus says, come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. It says they left, they left the nets and the old man and, and with the hard workers and followed Jesus. There's another story in the Bible where, where um, a, a guy says, you know, oh, Jesus, I'm so good, you know, tell me how good I am. And Jesus says, well, you know, sell everything you have and then come follow me. And he goes, mm, too hard. I'm not doing that because what, he, what what Jesus said is he called every single person and, and it says this one, Jesus said to that last guy, he said, now this one thing you lack because he said, oh, oh, I'm so good, I, I, uh, I'm a good person, I'm, I'm doing all the right stuff and Jesus said this one thing you lack is sell everything you have and come follow me and I think Jesus says this one thing you lack but he told him two things. He says sell everything and then follow me. But then the guy thought he only heard sell everything and didn't follow Jesus. Yeah. So we need, to, we need to challenge ourselves sometimes on those really important things. So our awareness leads to miracles and supernatural living. So we, we should never get comfortable when our awareness starts to diminish So let's not disconnect God so much to deny the supernatural. It's so easy that we we get so used to disconnecting God from our life that He's no longer number one. Um, uh, And some of those disconnect points are, are so, so shallow. But we need to, and we realize that those disconnect points that we get so used to are the things that actually are the difference between a church that thrives and a church that dies. And there are churches that are dying every single day in Australia. Whole denominations are, are, are on the brink of, of, of uh, dying off within the next decade because they didn't adjust to discipleship living. So let's not disconnect God so much to deny the supernatural part of his life. The second part of spiritual awareness is relationship. The men of Issachar, as we saw earlier, there were 200 strong that were in relationship with each other interpreting well the times so if you can imagine 200 men you know praying together doing life together focusing on the things of God together and so they knew what was what was needed so there's another kind of person that I call the self-deceived and they're the person who lives isolated from from God lives isolated from other people from godly wisdom um it describes in 2 Timothy three 3.5 people who have a form of godliness but deny its power. We don't want to be a, a church that has a form of godliness where we all gather together, we sing songs and we do all this stuff, but there is no power. We, we want to desire that, that closeness with God that we actually connect to the power, that we live knowing the power. And it doesn't matter what your experiences is so far, you've just got to say, God, I'm going to continue to get closer to you. I want to be a disciple that connects to your power. And it doesn't matter what level of experience or grade you think you're in right now, you've got to continue to press past your experiences so far and say, God, I want to live in knowledge of your power. So it's in community with godly people that we grow. So don't make spiritual awareness... Your stop-off point. Now that's that's funny because some people can say, "Well, you know what? I just go to church. I don't, I don't really feel anything. I don't sense anything. God never talks to me. I read my Bible. It's like, you know, rubbing glass in my eyes. Nothing ever happens to me. So that's my stop-off point. It's where I stopped because Pastor Rob talks about all these amazing things and experiences and all that, and that, that never happens to me. I can tell you that's what I used to feel. I mean, I, I'd go to you know go to meetings, go to go to things like that, and think, well, how? how come, what's wrong with me? I'm not experiencing anything. But you know what, I just kept at it and kept at it and I wanted to be a disciple so I I, I disciplined myself to read the Bible. I disciplined myself to go home and pray and most of the times I'm thinking, I don't know if God even knows who I am or where I am or if he hears anything that I'm praying, but I can tell you I'm standing here right now as evidence of all those things I prayed for and dreamed about and talked to God about is I'm living in the reality of that today. Because at the At that time, God was thinking of this time. And he will do that in your life as well. So don't make spiritual awareness your stop-off point. It's your next best time of life. So when I was in Perth in January this year, God spoke to me about church uh, through the call of Moses. In Genesis 3, verse 1, it's the burning bush. Maybe, Jimmy, you might help me if you could play some music. That might just do something. In Genesis 3, the, the, the burning bush, who knows the story? I think we're all you know people who, who know the stories in the Bible right now. The burning bush, Moses was minding his father-in-law's business. It wasn't even his own business when he noticed this bush that kept burning you know the story i'm sure and we don't know that the length of time that was was it a, was it a few hours was it 10 minutes we don't know but but it says that moses noticed this bush that was burning but wasn't consumed it's was like how come that thing hasn't burnt to the ground yet it's been burning for ages so he it says i think it's in the NIV it says so he turned aside to see and I want us to be one heart church that is a church like a burning bush that keeps burning, that, that keeps burning, that keeps burning, that causes people to turn and see. So what's that going to look like? I want people to be having questions like, why is that car park so full? That's a bush that just keeps burning. Why is is so many people going to that church? Why is a car park always packed with cars? What is one heart? Our name is a burning bush. You know, I went to Tumbi Bay the other day to meet with uh, Pastor Matt, the pastor at Tumbi Bay, and we're sitting in this cafe and these old people came in and they're talking about, what's that one heart? Because I've got on my car. I am one heart. They say, well, what is one heart? And their granddaughter, who knows our church, says, "Oh, that's a church." He goes, "Oh, there's the pastor there." It's like, Rawr. but I mean, I thought that's what I want people to. That's a burning bush. That that's a burning bush, and I want people to be asking these questions. I want people to be saying, "I I see I see one heart everywhere," because when God starts to, to to stir in somebody's heart, it, it's like you. You, you never thought about it before but then suddenly you see this thing everywhere and so you might think oh i'm not going to have a one heart sticker on my car get one on there because that that's a burning bush and we want to have those all over port lincoln so everywhere you drive there's someone who's going to go there's another one heart there's another one heart there's a. I know that's the same as that that shop down on morlock terrace that's the same as it on that building what is that and I want people to have such a curiosity that they'll come in those doors. Now, they're not, I'll tell you, they're not going to care about if, if we have a smoke machine. They're not going to care if the ceiling's painted black. They're not going to care if, if our music is too loud. They're not going to care if the seats are too hard. What they're going to notice is the presence of Jesus. And there's time after time lately where I talk to people and, and they just say, you know what, I, I, just, I just was crying and someone's brought in the church they've never been to church they don't know what we do or what, what we're doing but they're saying I just couldn't stop crying I had another girl who, who came to church and she said you know what when you were preaching it was like every time I thought something you answered it in the next sentence no, I don't read minds but the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit does so we want to be that kind of church we want to see that continue and increase so the whole thing is We are a city on a hill, Matthew 5.13, that cannot be hidden. And people are wanting to see. And they're going to see maybe a one-heart sticker. They're going to see our building and see how that looks to to think, well, I want to go in there one day. Because in those people are going to be Moses kind of people. They're going to be coming in because they were just curious but God has a plan we have no idea that God is calling them to something great we, we don't know that their, their, their parts or their history or their stage of life but they have a great part to play when God comes in and changes everything so tonight as we finish I have a, a call out to you as One Heart Church as leaders are we eager for this time? Are we willing to prepare today for the time before us? We we want to be regearing our focus individually and corporately in this time to save the lost. We're regearing for that's our focus, that's our mandate, that's our reason, is to be reaching lost people. Some of those lost people live next door to you. They're just waiting for the invitation. Some of those people work with you, they're just waiting for the invitation. Some people live in the same house as you, they're just waiting for the invitation. So we're going to commit ourselves tonight and go beyond the stop-off points. Will you stand with me tonight?